we come to what some have called the Mount Everest of the Bible. The biggest chapter in the Bible. The longest chapter in the Bible. Even longer than some of the shorter books of our Bibles. It's the chapter that in a lot of Bible reading plans gets either its own day or it actually gets broken up into several days. We come to Psalm 119. So I'd, turn, I'd invite you to turn with me to Psalm 119. You see it's made up of 176 verses. It covers several pages in our Bibles. So we'll be looking at Psalm 119. And I remember the first time that I actually, or at least the first time I remember interacting with Psalm 119. And uh, we were asked to read Psalm 119 at a spiritual retreat in youth group as teens. Um, this was a scary experience reading such a long chapter. This chapter is massive. Often when I came to this chapter in my Bible reading, I thought, here we go again, hunker down and plow through this chapter. But I got to admit, over the past couple of years, uh, maybe within the last three, five years, this has become a chapter that I've really grown to appreciate. It's a chapter that on multiple occasions I can think of um, a time where I was feeling a spiritual dryness, a time where I felt like I wasn't valuing the Word of God like I should. And I went to this chapter and I read through this chapter and it put my mindset, my mindset back on track. So that leads to the subject of these 176 verses in Psalm 119. We come to the subject of Psalm 119 and simply we could say the subject is the Word of God. God's Word is the main subject of this chapter in the book of Psalms. The psalm uses many different words for the Word of God. We don't just see the Word, the Word, the Word used as its name, but we see it's described as the law, as commandments, as statutes, as rules, as precepts, and there's actually several other words as well. And each of these words actually brings a different aspect to the Word of God and, and describes it in a certain way. And maybe in the future we'll consider each of these words. Tonight we're not going to look at these specific words and what they mean, but we see in each of the sections in Psalm 119 that different words are used and they bring to the table different aspects of the Word of God. This psalm is unique in its length, but it's also unique in its structure. If you, just, if you have Psalm 119, just flip through it over a couple of pages and you'll begin to see that it's broken down into sections. And specifically, there's 22 sections. Each section has probably an unfamiliar word to you. If you look at the different sections, there's a word above it, or most likely there's a word above it. And these are actually the letters of the Hebrew alphabet in order. Hebrew is the language of the Old Testament, if you didn't know that. Um, but we see that these letters are what the psalmist has broken this psalm down into. And even more unique, as we think about the structure of this psalm, we see that each section has eight verses. And each verse actually begins with the Hebrew letter over its section. So we don't see that in the English, but each verse of this section begins with that Hebrew letter that is above it. So we think about the structure. This is a poetry masterpiece. Very well-crafted psalm. 
And my intent is to actually begin a series through Psalm 119 as I'm given the opportunity to preach uh, through, or as I'm given the opportunity to preach, I plan to preach through Psalm 119, maybe not dealing with all 22 sections, that would get pretty lengthy, but maybe we'll do all 22, one sermon per section. But in spreading out these, this series, um, I can say I do not intend on preaching through it or spreading it out how the Puritan Thomas Manton handled this psalm. He spread 100, or Psalm 119, he spread it out over 190 sermons. So 176 verses, he actually broke it down more than one, for some uh, verses he dealt with it in several sermons, but he did 190 sermons on, 100, on Psalm 119. I don't say that in any way negative, as that just shows the depths of this psalm, this large psalm, but it, it's got a lot in there. And as I go through Psalm 119, my prayer is that we would be given a greater understanding and view of our Bibles. Also, my prayer is that it would challenge us to value the reading of the Bible and also the preaching and the teaching of our Bibles. That we would be motivated to respond in obedience to the Word of God more faithfully. And my prayer is that we would grow in our relationship with the author of the Bible. It's important to remember, when we talk about God's Word, it is God's Word. He is the author of it. And my prayer is that our relationship with Him would flourish through this study of Psalm 119. So tonight we're going to begin with the very first section, Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. If you're not there already, I would uh, ask that you turn there as we'll be working our way through this section. And as you see, Psalm 119, 1 through 8, goes to the first letter in the Hebrew al alphabet, Aleph. So Psalm 119, 1 through 8, I want to read through it together, and then we'll deal with the verses. Psalm 119, Verses 1 through 8 read this way. They say, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with a whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Verse 5 says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. So our theme for Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8, or boiling down these eight verses into what are they all about, is our theme is a consideration of an obedient life to God's Word. Again, our theme is a consideration of an obedient life to God's Word. And what we're going to see is we're going to see two things. We're going to see the reasons for it, the reasons for why we should be obedient, and then secondly, we're going to see an example of it. So we'll see the reasons for it, an example of it. We see the Psalms' focus is on the obedience to God's Word. Okay, Each of these sections deals, deals with the Word of God in a little bit of a different way. And we see our section deals with obedience. And we see the psalmist begins with two reasons why we're to live our lives in obedience to God's words. And we're going to see that in verses 1 through 4. And then in verses 5 through 8, we find the psalmist actually setting an example as he reflects over the word, as he reflects 
or deals with the Word of God, we see it presents an example. So first, we'll start with those two reasons. Two reasons are given for obeying God's Word, and this comes from Psalm 119, verses 1 through 4. The first reason given is that it will lead to a happy life. The first reason given is that it will lead to a happy life, and this comes from verses 1 through 3. So remember, we're in Psalm 119, 1 through 8. This is just the opening to 176 verses. So it's pretty important what the psalmist begins with. And we see that it begins with a discussion of what leads to being happy. And when you think about this, this might be a bit surprising. And I say it might be a bit surprising, and I'll give us three, three reasons it might be a little bit surprising to us. First, you might be sitting here surprised because you expected maybe more of a reason given for obedience, such as because it's the right thing to do. We should be obedient because it's the right thing to do. It's what God wants us to do. It's how followers of God are to live. But the reason given here to start is that living obediently to what God says in the Bible will lead to a happy life. That is why we're encouraged to be obedient here at the start of the psalm. We also might be surprised at this first reason because you might be sitting here thinking, obedience. Obedience hasn't brought happiness to my life. It's brought a feeling of slavery. Maybe you feel that you need to do this and that. It makes you feel like you're trapped in a box. Or even you feel obedience hasn't only made you feel tied down, but also it's kind of left you depressed, regretful, that since you have not kept God's word perfectly, a desire perfectly, a desire to obey has only brought you a feeling of failure and guilt, not happiness. And then maybe third, this reason might also surprise us because when you think about happiness, you definitely don't think about obedience. Think with me for just a moment. Imagine someone comes to you and asks you, what would bring you true happiness? Just think for a moment in your minds. Pause for a moment and answer in your mind, what would bring you true happiness? What would bring you the greatest delight? Make you feel truly satisfied? Cause you to feel fulfilled in life? Get your answer in your mind. What would make you feel truly, or what would bring you true happiness? Kids, would it be taking a trip to Disney World? Or maybe getting to play video games all day? Teens, would it be winning the championship in the sport you play? Or maybe getting to date the person that you really want to date? Adults, maybe for young adults, would it be graduating college? Getting a job you have worked so hard for? For adults, would it be the day you retire? Or getting to go on your dream vacation? So I say you might be surprised for the first reason because most likely obedience did not make your list of what would truly bring you happiness. Or at least before we had, before I got up here to speak, I don't know if that would be the thing that made our list. So you might sit here surprised that I'm telling you, and even more so this psalm, the Word of God, is saying, do you want happiness? Do you want to be truly happy in life? Then obey. Obey the Word of God. 
True happiness will come from an obedient life to the Word of God, and that is what God and His Word teaches, and we see that here in verses 1 through 3. If you look with me at Psalm 119, 1 through 3, you get a discussion of the happy life. It says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep His testimonies, who seek Him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in His ways. So the first two verses of this giant psalm begin with the word blessed. It's a key word, blessed. That's the idea that we're getting here of this happiness. True happiness is what this word blessed speaks of. It speaks of being happy, being delighted, satisfied, fulfilled. We see here that Psalm 119 opens saying true happiness is not just a one-time event or situation that will bring happiness but it's a pattern of life. It's a regular way of living, a consistent and constant obedience to the Word of God. So for a lot of us, maybe what we think will bring us true happiness, when I ask that question, maybe an event or something, a a one-time thing came to mind. Winning a championship or getting a job we want. But here we see that It is a pattern of life that will bring us happiness. The psalmist is saying, do you want to know what will bring you true happiness? What will ultimately satisfy you? He's saying it's obeying the Word of God. It's living a life following and keeping and submitting to the Bible. And we see this obedience is described in verses 1 through 3. We see first this obedience is described as a life free from sin. If you look with me again at verse 1. It says, blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And then verse 3, just skip to verse 3, it says something similar. It says, who also do no wrong, but walk in his ways. So true happiness comes from living a life free from sin. It's a life in which we cannot be blamed because we've done nothing wrong. And it's interesting when you think about it, often it is our sin even though we hate to admit it, that we think will bring us happiness. Why do we gossip? Why do we lust? Why do we steal? Why do we lie? We believe it will provide us some type of happiness. We think we will get pleasure from our sins. That's why we do them. We see here the complete opposite is true. Not sinning will bring us happiness. We might ask, how do we learn this? Well, we see the psalm answers that. How do we learn to live in such a way? The second line of verses 1 through 3 show us. It is the one who walks in the law of the Lord, as verse 1 says. And it's the one who walks in God's ways, as verse 3 says. It's the one who follows the Word of God. So we learn how to live this blameless life, this life free from sin, this life of obedience from the Word of God. So we see this obedience is described as living a life free from sin. We also see this obedience as something done with all our heart. If you look with me at verse 2. Verse 2 reads, Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart. What we see here is that this obedience to the word of God is vitally connected to our relationship with God. We see in the second line of verse 2, one's relationship with God is brought up with the words, who seek Him. Speaking of looking to God, interacting with God, praying to God. 
And two comments I just want to make here on this verse and how it relates to the context is first we see that having a relationship with God and obeying God go hand in hand. That if you have a relationship with God, then it's expected that you seek to obey Him. We think about it, it's a temptation to disconnect these two things, to claim to believe, and yet your life looks nothing like you believe. You say, I'm a Christian, yet don't act like a Christian. You sing praises to God and pray to God, and yet we don't think twice when we disobey His Word. It's very easy to disconnect these two things, but we see our obedience and our relationship with God go hand in hand, and this psalm teaches us that. But the second comment I want to make is on the phrase, the second phrase that says, who seek him with their whole heart. With their whole heart. It's one thing to act in a certain way or even speak in a certain way. You can act and speak and not mean a thing that you do or say. But to do something from the heart or say something from the heart, to have your heart or another word or another phrase for your heart is your being, who you are, if it's seeking after God, obeying God is what's being talked about here, that we are obeying God with our hearts. This is talking about genuinely and sincerely obeying God's Word. It's not just a show. It's not just faking it to look good, but you really want to. So that's the first reason given for obeying God's Word, that it will bring us true happiness. If we want a life that we feel fulfilled, that we feel satisfied, that we feel happy. That's the first reason to obey the Word of God. The second reason given, I said there's two reasons, here's the second. The second reason given is found in verse 4, and we see that living in a, the second reason for living in an obedient life to God's Word is that this is God's expectation. Look with me at verse 4. Psalm 119 verse 4 says, you have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. So maybe this is the reason that we would have expected. From the start, we would have expected the reason that we're to obey is because God tells us to. God calls us to do this. But in saying that, we shouldn't take this lightly or just as a given, as this is what the all-knowing, all-powerful God sees as the best way for us to live. The idea here is that God expects His Word to be followed. But not just, not just followed, but followed to the fullest. Being kept diligently, as it says at the end of verse 4. Being kept diligently literally speaks of God's commands being kept or obeyed very much. The commands being kept completely, consistently, constantly. We could say not picking and choosing what to follow. If we're doing it, or if we're obeying diligently, we're not picking and choosing which we want to follow, which we don't want to follow. Ignoring some, maybe weighing some commands of God over others, but we're seeking to follow all of God's commands. It's tied up in this word diligently. But also tied up in this word diligently, it speaks of not only sometimes, but all the time. God's desire is that this would be our pattern in life, seeking to follow His commands at all times. That each and every thing we do would be shaped by His Word. That in every single area of our life, with family, with friends, at school, at work, with believers and unbelievers, 
maybe for the kids, around our parents and not around our parents. When it's easy, when it's tough, when we're going through difficulties or life is going good, we are expected to follow the commands of God. God expects us to obey His Word diligently. Will we always? Of course not. We know we still sin. We know we still mess up. But this is what we are to be striving for. This is to be our aim. To live according to the Word of God. We often talk about God's will for our lives. We want to know what God has for us. What's God's will for our life? Often when we ask that, we want to know what college we should go to. As teens graduating from high school, we want to know maybe who our spouse should be. What's God's will for my job? The occupation I should pursue? But we learn God doesn't reveal these things to us clearly. God doesn't just come to us and tell us, this is my will for your life, and just spouts off every single decision that we need to make. But we see that God doesn't keep us in the dark about His will. We see that His will is that you would obey His commands. He says this loud and clear. It can't be missed. If you're looking for God's will for your life, we should look no further. You're probably holding it right now. God's will is laid out in the Bible for us that we are to obey His commands. This is how we are to live. There's a book by Kevin DeYoung. I believe it's called Just Do Something. And it deals with this subject of the will of God. And he talks about some very similar things that we see here in verse 4. And I definitely recommend this book, especially for older teens as they consider some of those tough decisions. But we see here in verse 4, God's expectation. It's His will. It's His desire that we obey His Word. That's the second reason why we should obey the Word of God. So we've seen two reasons at the start. Verses 1 through 4 break into two reasons. The first is that obeying God's Word will bring us true happiness. The second is that God expects it. And now we actually come to the psalmist's response. After these things, after these things have been said, after he said these things about the Word of God, we see his response. We're going to call that his example. We get the psalmist's example and how we should deal with the Word of God in our lives. We see the psalmist's example is that the psalmist strives to obey God's Word. And this comes from Psalm 119, 5 through 8. And in considering this example, we get four examples, or four ways that we should deal with the Word of God. So first, the psalmist expresses his desire to obey God's Word. If you look with me at Psalm 119, verse 5, we see the psalmist expresses his desire to obey God's word. It says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. We see the psalmist's desire is to obey God's word, to obey God's commands. This is his response to what has been laid out in the first four verses. His aim, his goal is to follow the word of God. But not in some flippant, not in some occasional way, but he says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast. Steadfast. It speaks of being established, being firm in keeping the Word of God. It's similar to what we saw in verse 4 with that word diligent. As God desires for us to keep His commands diligently. 
This word steadfast speaks of it being a pattern in our lives. It's to be normal for us to obey the Word of God. Not rare. It's to be what we strive for. And here the psalmist is doing exactly that. His desire is to obey the Word of God. This is his desire. This is his longing. So I might ask us, when you think about your desires, your longings, is this your desire? Do you long to obey the Word of God? Do you really want to follow God's Word? Do you actually care? Or is it just another way of living? Is it just how you grew up? Is it just what your parents do? Maybe is it all that you know? If that's all that it is for you, just what your parents do, or all that you know, then you probably aren't doing it too well. Is it your desire to obey the Word of God? Can that be seen in how you deal with the Bible? How you listen to the preaching of the Word of God? Can it be seen that you desire to obey God's Word? And even further, we see that this psalm is directed to God. This verse is directed to God. So the psalmist is praying to God that he would follow the Word of God. So I might ask us, do you pray on a regular basis that you would obey the Word of God? Do you pray when it comes to your Bible reading? You sit down in the morning to read or sit down in the evening or whenever you read the Bible. Do you say a prayer asking that God would help you to obey His Word, expressing your desire to do so? Do you pray when it comes to listening to a sermon, maybe before the sermon, as the sermon's going on, do you pray that God would help you to apply this to your life? Verse 5 certainly communicates the psalmist's desire and longing, but it also communicates his recognition of the fact that he does not obey God's commands completely. As verse 5 again says, Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. So he sees there's room to grow that he realizes that it, he doesn't follow God's Word fully, but he wants to, he desires to. So I might ask us, do we recognize that we have room to grow just as the psalmist does? Do you realize that you do not obey perfectly? That there are times you fail, or there are times that you do not obey the Word? We should have this recognition, we should have this desire, we should have this prayer that we would be obedient to God's Word. Secondly, as we look at the example, so I said there's four ways. This is the second in which we should follow the psalmist's example. And the second way is that he sees the result of living an obedient life. If you look with me at Psalm 119.6, it says, Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I'll ask us, have you ever been ashamed because of a sin in your life? Have you ever been ashamed or embarrassed or regretted it or had guilt because of a sin in your life? And we see here that the psalmist gets it. He's starting to put things together. He's starting to see the consequences, the results for not living an obedient life. He's taking what he learned or what he wrote about in the, verse, in, in the first three verses about that, the, that obeying God's Word will bring a truly happy life. We see that he's putting these things together. He's realizing the consequences, the results of living an obedient life. He sees what obedience leads to. 
in the impact an obedient life has upon us. The third way that the psalmist interacts with the Word of God or deals with the Word of God is we see he praises God for teaching him his commandments. If you look with me at Psalm 119.7, it says, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. So verse 7 fits into the context of this section in that it shows how one comes to obedience. And that's by learning, listening to the teaching of the Word of God. So first off, we see the importance of sitting under the teaching of God's Word from this verse. Being trained, being taught the Bible. And what leads, in that it leads to obedience. So we need to value, we need to desire to hear the Word of God taught and explained. We need to have a desire to learn more, to grow in our understanding of the Word of God. The psalmist presents a humble example here, showing he doesn't think he has it all together. He realizes that he has things to learn. He realizes that he doesn't know everything. And we see that he longs to learn and grow in his understanding of the Word of God. But we also should be challenged that it doesn't just stop there. If you look with me at verse 7, again it says, I will praise you with an upright heart. An upright heart, which speaks of a heart that obeys the Word of God. A heart that does what is right. A mind that strives to follow God's commands. We see that you can't just listen to God's Word preached and taught and think you're good as this whole section stresses the need to respond. The need to turn in obedience after you have heard the Bible taught. I might ask us, is that our normal reaction? After you sit through a sermon to immediately put those things you learned and were challenged to do into practice. The temptation is to keep it up here, to keep it as head knowledge. But we see here that the psalmist praises him with an upright heart, that the Word of God has made an impact on his life. But ask us, as we sit through sermons or Sunday school lessons, is our response obedience to the Word of God? The sermon or the Sunday school lesson or our daily Bible reading isn't just to gain knowledge, but to lead us to live lives that are honoring and glorifying to God. Earlier in verse 5, we saw the example of the psalmist's desire and prayer to obey the Word of God. Now we see he moves further to praise, to glorifying God for teaching us His Word. As it says in verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart, when I learn your righteous rules. He says, I will praise you. So our prayers to obey need to move to praise to God. When God answers our prayers for obedience, by teaching us His Word, we need to thank Him. We need to praise Him. He says that He praises and glorifies God when He learns God's Word. Week in and week out, we sit through sermons. We sit through lessons as we learn the Bible. Think about our Bible reading. We read it, read it day in and day out. It might ask us, do we walk away praising God? Praising Him for the opportunity to gain knowledge about Him and our relationship to Him. Praising Him for the truths you've learned about Him. Or do we walk away thinking that was a waste of time? Thinking that now we can move on to the fun part of our day. Verse 7 shows us how we should approach the Word of God 
when we read it and when we hear it taught, we should come excited, come ready to listen, thanking God for another opportunity to hear and learn from His Word. We come to the last way in which the psalmist presents an example to us. And we see in seeking to obey, the psalmist is determined yet dependent. The example is that the psalmist is determined when it comes to obeying the Word of God, yet he's dependent. Look with me at verse 8 as our psalm closes. Psalm 119.8 says, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. So we see a balance as the psalm closes. On the one hand, we have determination. He's determined to obey the Word of God. And yet at the same time, he realizes, I can't do this on my own. I need someone else to help me. And he's dependent. So we see determination and dependence are balanced here. These, go, these two go together as we see in verse 8. The psalmist is determined to obey the word of God, to follow what is written in God's word. He's going to put all his energy into this. He's going to work with great effort at seeking to obey God's word which is an example to us to be determined to obey the Word of God. But at the same time, he realizes he cannot do this, on, do this alone. He cannot do this by his own strength or by his own ability, which is why he says, do not utterly forsake me. He's asking God not to leave him, not to abandon him in his pursuit of following him. He's requesting that God would help him and provide for him the ability to do this so too we must do the same. In one sense, we need to be determined that we are going to do all we can to follow the Word of God. But at the same time, we must be relying upon God, acknowledging that without Him, it would be impossible to obey Him. That if it were not for God, we would fail in keeping His Word. So it should be our prayer each and every time we come to our Bible reading, each and every time we come here to listen to a sermon or a message, as we hear the Word of God, to pray that God would help us to live it out. So tonight we've tackled eight verses out of 176, and yet we've dealt with the opening of this massive psalm. And I said in the beginning, the whole psalm deals with the Word of God and our relationship to it. And I believe we do well to pay careful attention to the aspect the psalm opens with. And simply that's obedience. Pay attention to the fact that the psalm opens with obedience. Not reading, not studying, not knowing, not meditating, not memorizing or teaching the Word of God. But Psalm 119 opens with obeying the Word of God. And I believe we learn a lesson from this. Obeying the Bible is, obeying the Bible is to be the end result. It's to be the ultimate goal. Our aim above all else when it comes to how we relate to the Bible a familiar verse, James 1.22 says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. By all means, we need to be reading the word of God. We need to make sure that we know the word of God. We need to memorize the word of God. But if we aren't obeying it, then we're missing the point. Then there's no use. If you are not doing anything with what you know and have, then we are not using the Bible in the way that it's intended. It is not intended just to be head knowledge or just an entertainment for us 
or to make us feel good, but it is to lead to obedience, to live a life that is pleasing to God. We learn today that in our reading, in our studying, in our memorizing of the Bible, that these things are means to an end. They are means to following the Word of God. In all of our reading and studying of the Bible, obedience should be the outcome. And I'll ask us as we close, is this the case for us? Do we obey the Word of God? Let's just close in a word of prayer. God, I just thank you for Psalm 119, and I'm excited to continue to move through the, the different sections of this psalm. And God, as I said in the beginning, I pray that this psalm would truly give us a greater understanding of the Word of God, that it would give us a greater confidence in your Word. I pray that, it would, that you would transform our lives to obey your Word, to deal with it in a way that is more honoring and pleasing to you. God, I just pray that you would challenge us to handle the Word of God in a right way. And Lord, as we thought about tonight, help us to obey. As ultimately, we can't do this on our own. We need your help. And I pray, God, that you would help us to obey your Word in all areas of our lives, at work, at school. I pray that you'd help us to follow it even in our homes where it's so easy to become lax. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to obey it in all areas of our lives and help us to obey all of your commands. Certainly we realize we will sin, but I pray that we would strive to obey everything in your word, not to pick and choose, not to ignore certain things, but to faithfully obey all that we find in your word. Help us to be students of your word, and I pray that we would also be doers of the word of God. And in your name I pray, amen. Thank you for coming out this evening. You are dismissed.